the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God can work in those heartaches to make us, to mold us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. And now we are continuing our study in James chapter 1. Yes, when we become the slaves of the one who hung, bled, and died for our sins on the cross, that now enables us to embrace freedom from the things that once held control over us. Meaning, meaning, but before Christ, I, I just did everything that was wrong. But in Christ now, I don't have to do the things that are wrong. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like before I just did them because I'm just a sinner. But now in Christ, I can have the ability to have freedom over those things that used to control my life. Alcohol, drugs, sex, this, that, whatever, stealing, all of these things that you just do. It's like now I don't have to do those things anymore. In fact, the Bible says in uh, Philippians 2, 7, that Jesus emptied himself taking on the form of what? A bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. So God's asking us to become bond slaves, bond servants, doulois, slaves by our own free will and desire. And what did Jesus do? He became a bond servant, a slave. Let's remember, he was God in glory, came down to the earth and lived in submission all the way to the point of the cross and dying for us. So Jesus never asked us to do anything that he didn't already do himself. And who did James write this letter to? He wrote it to the Jews who were being dispersed out of Jerusalem. Those who left Israel, those who were driven out because of the heavy persecution against the church. This letter was written to, or written by, a born-again Christian, James. He had become born again. He received Christ in his heart as his Savior. He was a believing Jew. James was what you would call a Messianic Jew, a Jew who embraced Jesus as his Messiah and Savior. That means that he is writing to all who believe in Jesus. For there is now no difference, there's no distinction now between a Jew and a non-Jew, a Jew and a Greek or Gentile. The Bible says in Galatians 3.28 that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, non-Jew. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So there's no difference between Jew and Gentile now in God's eyes. And there's no difference between man and woman. See, freedom, massive freedom came to women through Christ. Because before this point, 
Women were just objects of possession. You look what's happening in Afghanistan right now with the Taliban and how they treat women and all this thing that they're talking about and how, you know, women have to wear the burqas and all this kind of stuff. And women are taking advantage. They're just like own property. That's how women were back in this day. It was Christ that brought freedom to women saying, look, I don't love a man more than I love a woman. God's just saying that to you ladies. How about that? Doesn't love one more than the other. Well, only some of you women like that. Well, anyway, just so you know, all of you women are just as loved as this guy's. And now James addresses this one area of reality that causes us all to ask the question, why? So we're getting out of verse one. <laughs> we're going into verse two. Why do we have so many trials and hardships in love? Hey, that's a good question. How many people have you heard say, hey, man, when I get to heaven, I got a bone to pick with God. I didn't like the path that I had to go down in this life. Why do bad things happen to good people? People will ask. Well, again, let's just, there's not really good people. As you know, as well as I do, some people are better than others. We all know what we would say in the world's eyes is good people, right? You know, people are good. Like this person's nice at work or they'll go out of the way for you. They'll help you change your tire. Well, I came out of my car and it had a flat tire and a guy came out from work and he changed my tire. He's such a good person, you know? And so there's, you know, everyone has a good nature or, or wait, let me take that back. <laughs> Some people have a good nature and everything, but we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not really anyone that's good because if you go back to Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit that they were not supposed to eat of. They have a sin nature that came upon them. Every human being is born with a sin nature. Going back to the toddler, if you have children, you know that there's a little nastiness in every one of those little cute little bundles of joy. Okay, and so all of this, so there's a sin nature in all of us. So, but we know what we say when we say that. There are some people that live good lives. And let's just talk about Christians now. Let's talk about serious Christians. Let's talk about people that claim to know Christ as their savior. They go to church, man, they try not to lie, cheat or steal. You know, they don't cuss, they don't drink. They don't, and it's like, why do bad things happen to them? Aren't they kind of doing everything right? Because that's what we're talking about here right now. Because this book was written to Christians and so why are these trials happening to Christians? That's the question. Why? And if you're a believer, you might say, yeah, why is this happening to me? Why this? Why me? Why now? It's a much asked question. Well, verse two, it says to you, to the believer, he says, consider it all joy when we fall and encounter various trials. What? Count it all joy? Well, first, let's look at what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we rejoice in trials. Yes, I was at the Grand Canyon and I I parked my car. I forgot to put the emergency brake on. I looked back, it was rolling back. It hit right over the cliff and there it went 1,500 feet. Kaboom. Thank you, Jesus. I rejoice. I consider it all joy that my car is blown up. No, that's not what it means. Okay, so let's just get past that. But what it does mean is this. The believer can now look into the face of God with great confidence in whatever comes our way. No matter what trial, no matter what hardship, no matter what harsh and cruel thing happens to me and know that somehow, some way, God is going to work in that thing. 
for a greater purpose in my life. That's what it means. We can rejoice and know that somehow, some way, God's going to work in this thing. He's going to work a purpose that could not be worked out, listen, any other way. For one day we'll learn it was all in the making of a man or woman of God. Every hardship, every difficulty that you go through, it's all in the making of the man or woman of God. How many people would like to be David? Yeah, David, man, he was like, what, 14 years old, 15? He's just a boy. And then there was Goliath, Mr. Fee, Fi, Fo, Fum. And he's like nine foot six. And David's out there, hi, how's it going? He's like, will you bring this little kid out to me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you, kid. I'm going to feed you to the birds. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take you and your entire Philistine army and feed you all to the birds. And he ran up there and dropped Goliath like a bad habit and chopped his head off, picked up his head. And, it's like, wow, who would want to do that? I mean, if you're a guy, this, is, this, this ups the Navy SEAL thing, okay? This is like next level. Okay, Navy SEAL next level okay and so then david goes on and he's running the entire armies of israel as a teenager and then what are the girls in and then the bible says he was good looking too so you know the girls are like there's david <laughs> you know it's like okay so so i mean he's he's good looking he's the man's man i mean this is like put hair in your chest stuff and the women start singing like oh saul king saul you killed your thousands but david woohoo <laughs> you, you you killed your ten thousands okay so i mean he's like god everything who doesn't want to be david yet david for the next almost two decades 20 years was running for his life because king saul was jealous of him God fired King Saul, but King Saul didn't leave. I I fired you. I'm not leaving. You're gone. Too bad. Okay, so he didn't leave. So he made David's life misery. He was living out in the deserts. He was so heartbroken. He was looking, am I going to die today? Is today the day I'm going to die? It's like, you know, it's like he's living in caves. He's sleeping on rocks. And so everybody wants to be David, but probably David. And at the end of his life, what was he? He was a man after God's own heart. He was the greatest king that Israel ever knew. But his life was hard. And if you don't believe it, read the Psalms. He wrote the majority of them. And he's always crying out to God, oh God, where are you? He's like, man, it's like, I, I need help here. I, I don't see you. I don't see where you're at. I'm, I'm having hardship here. I don't know what's going to happen to me. It's like trials and hardships. But it's what made David the greatest king Israel had. So the trials and the hardships that we're talking about here are not the direct result of sin. We're not talking about those hardships, okay? See, some might say, man, I'm really going through it. Really? Oh, yeah, man, I'm getting beat down. Man, my trials are so heavy right now. Well, what's going on? I just got another speeding ticket. Uh, That's not a trial. That's all because of Mr. Leadfoot, okay? Okay, so that's something that you brought on yourself. So we're not talking about trials that are brought on because of your personal sin. Today, we're just talking about the areas that are out of our control. Like, man, all of a sudden, just something dropped on me. I didn't anticipate this happening. My car got ripped off. My house got broke into. This happened. That happened. A loved one. Yeah, we didn't ask for none of these things, but we're going through them. 
Again, a sudden loss of a loved one. Uh, You lost your job. He didn't see it coming. Your marriage is on the rocks. The crushing news of some kind of devastation that was totally unexpected. It's in those times that we are to look up. Why? Well, for many reasons. Number one, because though we do not know what tomorrow has in store for us, we as believers know who holds tomorrow. Our God holds tomorrow. Nothing could happen to us outside of what his will is for our life. And number two, even when the severe difficulties of life do come and they take our breath away, those things that can devastate us and shock us, that's when we as believers need to grasp that though whatever difficulties can arise in this life, God can work in those heartaches to make us, to mold us into who he desires us to become. Understand, if we were to remove every difficult time, everything that you've had to endure in your life up to this point, you would no longer be who you are today. You just wouldn't be the person. Like, what if, what if my parents didn't get a divorce when I was 16? What if I didn't get a girl pregnant in high school? What if I didn't turn into drugs and all this and become a, a, a borderline teenage alcoholic? What, what if all of that stuff didn't happen? Because, see, it was all of those things that drove me to Christ. Because when I turned 18, I felt like I had to reach up to touch the bottom. So what if none of that would have happened? What if my parents would have stayed together? What if my dad would have never quit his union job because he was making killer money? What if we just had tons of money? What if on my 16th birthday, instead of being kicked out on my own, I was like, here, we just bought you a brand new Mustang. You know, we just bought you this. We bought you a, a Hemi, you know, a, a, 420, a Boss 429. We just bought you this. Here's a new motorcycle. Here's this. Well, what if I would have never came to Christ? What if my life was just all, I, I, I lived on a golden platter? What if? See, it was through the hardships and difficulties that I was thrust into is what drove me to Christ. I'm sure that many of us here would rather go through life pain-free, would we? I mean, wouldn't you like to have a pain-free and trial-free life? And let's not forget, that day will come for every believer. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was a lot to take in right there. I don't know what just happened, but I looked up like, whoa. Okay, anyway, but with all of that said, uh, it's like, let us not forget that that day of being pain-free and trial-free life, it is coming for us one day in heaven. We will all live without any hardship, no more calamity. And for how long? Eternity. How about that? Millions of years of no hardship. But while we're here on this earth, on this side of heaven, it will never be heaven on earth. It's only going to be heaven in heaven. And on earth, there's always going to be something that turns sour. There's always going to be something. You ever open up like a thing of sour cream? Like, whoa, okay, the sour cream has turned sour. Okay. Anyway, there's always going to be a fly in the ointment. Yes, in God's infinite and divine wisdom, he allows us to encounter various trials. He doesn't make the trials. Again, they're a product of this fallen world where sin has infested inside of every man and woman. We've all sinned. 
Okay, so, so when things happen, it's a product of this fallen world. There was no cancer in the Garden of Eden. There was no heart attacks and all of this. It's like, oh, Eve, where are you? Oh, she dropped dead. She had a heart attack. No, like, none of that stuff happened. It's all a product of sin and walking away from God. What has this world done ever since the beginning? Cast God away. Look at the United States. I'm not talking about you individually, but look at the United States. Look at the laws that we make. It's completely anti-God. Everything that we're going in, completely anti what the Bible teaches. Okay, so it's like, so the whole world has done this. We have abandoned the God, our creator himself. So we are a product of this fallen world, a world that has long abandoned God. But for us who believe, God will never leave us or forsake us. He will stand strong on our behalf. And as we pass through the fires of this life, we have, we have never come to the place where we have to fall into the despair of the pits of this life. No matter what pit we fall into, we don't have to fall into the despair of that pit. What we are to do when we're going through difficult times, we should keep a diary of the comfort that he gives us on a daily basis. Make sure that you're taking really good notes. Ponder the height and the depth of the pain that you're enduring and the comfort that he so richly supplies during that pain. Remember how he turned your miseries into his mercies. Why? So that we can take what we have learned in the darkest moments of our lives and we can share them with others that are traveling down the very path of pain that we've been on. That's why he allows it, so that you can be an encouragement to someone else. Because there's people that are walking in despair. They've walked down the same desert of heartache that you've had to walk down. Verse 4 tells us we're to have endurance. You as believers, me as a believer, we're to endure. We're to have a staying power. That's a spiritual toughness as a Christian that we may be perfect and complete, it says, lacking nothing lacking nothing. Yes, God will prune us. God will refine us in the fires of life only to reflect his image in and through us. You know, he'll prune us. You know, it's like, you know, I didn't hold, I didn't get this whole pruning thing. Okay. So when we lived in Riverside, we had these big rose bushes that were on the one side of the driveway. And I mean, they were huge. I mean, these, there was three of them and they were, each one of them was like this big. I mean, they're just big and like 50 roses on these things. So I come home from work one day, you know, I'm always, you know, coming up alongside the rose bushes. And it's like, man, my wife went out there. Oh, she didn't prune the rose bush. She butched the rose bushes. Okay. I mean, we're talking, they went down to a nub. I was like the, the main thing and like two little, you know, like, and they're just like, ding, like this big. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, what, the, what did you do? You killed the thing. She filled up the whole giant trash can full of the rose bush. I'm like, I'm like honey, what did you do? I pruned them. I go, you, that's not pruning, okay? <laughs> you killed the thing. Well, within, I mean, I don't even know if it was like six weeks, those things are out. Roses busting off of those things. I'm just like, oh my goodness. So the Bible tells us in John 15 that he prunes those who he loves. So if you're being pruned, you're being trimmed back. It's like, why is he pruning you? So that you produce more fruits, that you grow into a fuller life. It doesn't make sense while it's happening, I'll tell you that. But it does make sense in the end. 
Which brings up our point, seeking the source. Let's see what he says here in verse 5. Verse 5, it says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him. It will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, is driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Wow. Now, we remember that these verses are in the context of the previous verses, right? So, on various trials of life. So we're talking about the various trials of life. So if you're lacking wisdom in what? The various trials of life, the wisdom of why we are being bombarded with these hardships, the Bible says to what? Ask. You ask the Lord. Notice verse 5 ends with the promise of wisdom being given. My wife and I have gone through many trials in life. One of the many trials we've gone through is financial difficulties. And I'd say that most of our marriage, we've had some kind of financial difficulties and somewhat. So that's gone on for, you know, decades, financial difficulties. It costs a lot of money to live. And now you see, you know, inflation is spiking, you know, gas prices are roaring, all of these things. Uh, But they're, you know, in the midst of continual kind of financial hardships, we went through a three and a half year period where it was really bad. Like I'm talking like you don't know if you're going to eat, okay? You got kids, and you don't know how it's going to happen. And that happened with us a lot. We're talking, we don't know how we're going to get through this. We don't know how we're going to get through that. And so we would pray, like, God, we need food. Like, we have no food and no money to buy food. We would open a door, and there'd be groceries on the porch. Like, where did they come from? Like, how did someone know? Like, how did someone know? Like, we weren't in this place two weeks ago, but we're in this place today. But how did someone know today was the day that we prayed? But God knew. And see, and then, and then it was like, all of a sudden, it's like, I'm washing my van. And it's like, I noticed my, my tires were completely bald. And it's like, oh my goodness, I came in the house and it was on a Saturday and I, the kids were upstairs playing. And I said, honey, our, our van, like it, the tires are bald, like the cords are showing through, like, like it's not safe for you to be driving with this van on the road. And it's like, well, let's pray. And we prayed. So the next day, Sunday, we, you know, we go to church, we're coming home, I'm driving, we're about halfway home. And I looked down at my Bible and I noticed this like envelope sticking up about this far out of my page. And I'm like, what is that? And I went like this, I'm driving and I'm like, I pull it out and I'm like, I open it up, $100 bills. And it was the exact amount to buy four new tires and a car needed brakes and to put brakes on and it had $3 left over, which I went to McDonald's and ate it, okay? So I, I'm an eating machine, okay? But, but it's like, how did God know? I mean, the God, it's like, and so then, so, so before that, I had made uh, pretty good money, so it was always buy this, buy that, buy that. Look, see it, like it, buy it. See it, like it, buy it. See it, like it, buy it. See it, like, okay, so yeah, bill this, bill, 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 bill. All kinds of things, finance, unbelievable interest, paying on interest, interest, interest. For that three and a half years, God had to take me to the woodshed. I had to learn a lesson. Don't spend more money than you make. Tore up every credit card, and we lived like like buying clothes at, your, at the thrift store for your kids. I mean, just humiliating stuff for three and a half years, not six months, not two years, three and a half years. And then I finally learned the lesson. We only buy what we can pay cash for. 
And if we can't pay cash, we don't buy it. I haven't paid interest on a credit card for like 33 years. I, it's like, now it's like, I don't have all these bills. You know, like, I used to line up my bills. Okay, we've got to pay this, this, this. You know. Now it's like, okay, got my rent, electric bill, gas bill. Uh, insurance comes in every now and then. Uh, that's about it. Uh, it's just like, because that's how we live. We've lived that way for the last three decades. But it took three and a half years to drive in me. See, some people never learned that lesson. And you're always in financial hardship. And it's just financial hardship, financial hardship. Well, are you spending more than you make? Are you listening to the Lord? Are you listening to how to get out of that and stay out of that? See, some people never learned a lesson. See, wisdom came for me. I wonder if there's anything or anyone here today that you're, you're, it's not, you're not getting the point. Like you're, you keep having the, the hardship, the trial, because God is trying to teach you something but you're not learning a lesson. So it's like you come out of the one trial and God's like, well, I got to send you right back into another one because see, I'm trying to get something through to you. You're not learning a lesson. So we're going to go back in again and back again. And you think like, you know, God's got all kinds of time. And it's just like, okay, another trial, another trial until we learn what he wants us to learn. That's all the time we have for this message. Join us next time for part two. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.